We're going to talk about hope today, kind of. We're going to talk about the Great Commission. We've been in a series um, where we've been uh, kind of exploring what does it look like to participate with Jesus in the kingdom mission, in his mission. And the title of the series is Greater Than These, and it comes from a verse, Truly, truly, I say to you, whoever believes in me will also do the works that I do, and greater works than these Will he do because I am going to the Father? And the greater work that we are called to do, that we get to do, that, that, that no one got to do, no matter how awesome they were, um, that no one got to lead people into the kingdom, that we are filled with the Spirit of God that moves in power, and through him we are able to lead people into life, into eternal, change eternal destiny uh, as God works with us. And so that's the greater work, and so we're looking at different ways that we can participate and that, and today, we're going to look at the Great Commission, okay, which, as I was working on this talk, I was like, yeah, we probably should have done this first, because it talks about what the mission is, and so we've been talking about how to participate in the mission without a little bit about, like, defining, like, what's Jesus' mission, and so we're going to do that today, and we're going to start with uh, reading some scripture. Um, there's a number of places where Jesus sends the disciples after he is resurrected, and so we're going to look at one verse, and then we're going to look at the Great Commission and move in from there. John twenty twenty one says this. Jesus said to them again, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, even so I am sending you. And then Matthew 28, 16 to 20, it says, Now the eleven disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain to which Jesus had directed them. And when they saw him... They worshipped him, but some doubted. And Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them, uh, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. Father, we pray that you would just come now, that you would come now and your spirit would open our eyes to the truth of this, so that we would live differently. Okay, what is the mission of Jesus? Okay, we're going to talk about that. This is the mission of Jesus. And again, this should have been done the first week. And Jesus said, peace be with you. As the Father sent me, I am sending you. Okay, so sent here means mission, okay? Whenever it says, I am sending you, the Father sent me, and I am sending you. What he's saying is that I am a missionary. Jesus is saying, I am a missionary, and now... Guess what? You are a missionary. My mission is now your mission, and you are to model my mission on earth like I did. This is what you're called to, okay? Now, his mission is natural, and it's supernatural, okay? His supernatural mission is what we primarily focus on whenever Jesus, you know, says, repent, the kingdom of God is here, repent of your sins, and it's about the internal journey. It's about the internal uh, of what God is doing in our hearts and our lives. So when we surrender to him, we become a Christian, okay? Spiritually, that's what's happening in the supernatural, okay? And that's obviously a part of God's plan. That's a part of Jesus' mission. That's why he died on the cross for our sins, okay? But there's also another natural part, okay? And a lot of people don't teach this because we focus so much on the heart and we measure how many people get saved that, um, that we forget that God has redeemed the natural as well, okay? And that, and that the Garden of Eden, everything was good. Everything was good in the Garden of Eden. And we're called, the, the Adam and Eve were called to expand the Garden of Eden throughout the earth, 
throughout the earth. This is before sin entered the world. This is before the supernatural need for, for justification and for redemption in our hearts happened. So they're called to bring the kingdom of God into all the parts of the world, which means that, which means that this, like he likes the weather. He likes when it's hot. He likes when it's cold. He likes when it rains. He likes when it snows. When he sees those things happening, he's like, yeah, I like this. This is amazing. I created this. This is a reflection of my nature. I like the trees. I like colors and lizards and, and roaches and ostriches and yama, llamas and like everything. He likes all the animals, puppy dogs and kitty cats, all those things. He loves because he created them. And Jesus at the cross will also redeem those things, right? It says the, the, the lion will lay with the lamb and not get eaten. The lamb will not get eaten because Jesus is going to redeem nature. He's going to redeem all of creation. So that's the natural mission. That's why like Christians should be the most concerned about our environment, the most concerned about the world, the most concerned about recycling Seriously, like that is the kingdom of God. That is what we're called to in redeeming the natural. He, he loved also like our bodies. That's the, our, our, if your spine is jacked up and you can't walk, that is a natural issue, not a supernatural issue. If you have an illness, praying, praying for um, baby Ivy, that is a natural issue. Jesus has come to redeem that, to change that. And so we care about that. That's why we pray for healing. We pray for the natural to be transformed. Okay, so like, um, you know, whenever someone might ask you, like if, so, if I were to come up to ask you and say, ask you this question, if Jesus was coming back tomorrow, what'd you do? What would you do? If, Je- if you knew Jesus was coming back tomorrow, what'd you do? You're like, oh, snap. I'd like start praying. I'd start fasting. I fast for 24 hours from here whenever he comes back. I get my heart right, my life right, right? So if you're a believer, you might say that, okay? Now, if you're a non-believer and you don't know Jesus, you'd be like, I don't care. I'm going to go have sex. I'm going to go drink. I'm going to go live it up before he comes. I don't know. I don't know. Or maybe say, like, I need to know him. I'm going to come, you know, or whatever. Okay, Martin Luther, this famous guy, you know what he said? I'd plant a tree. Really? Very interesting. Do you know why he would plant a tree? It says that he would plant a tree. I want to get this right. I want to plant a tree because when Jesus comes back, think of how it's going to flourish and grow. Imagine that. Think of how it's going to just burst out with life. Psalm 96, 11 to 12, these are like 95 honor, amazing psalms for about 101, about praising what's going to happen when Jesus returns and just the praise and the glory. It says, let the heavens be glad and let the earth rejoice. Heaven, that's supernatural. The earth, natural. Okay, let the sea roar. Natural. The sea roar. What's that going to be all about? The sea roaring. Okay, that's an audible roar. Okay. And all that fills it are going to be roaring. Fish are going to be roaring. I don't know what that's like. Let the field exult and everything in it. Then shall all the trees of the forest sing for joy, for he rules the earth. I'm going to plant a tree because whenever Jesus comes back, I want to see it flourish, grow, and start singing. That would be pretty epic, wouldn't it? I mean, think about that. You plant like a little seedling. It's like, praise Jesus. The tree's like swaying, praising Jesus audibly. It's going to be amazing. 
Because Jesus has redeemed all of those things, the response of redemption will be amazing. We can't imagine that. We can't imagine that. And so the kingdom mission, what we're participating in, is the redemption of all of creation, natural and supernatural. Okay? So that's his mission. That's our mission that we're being sent on. Okay, now in the Great Commission, and this is kind of a famous passage um, that we're going to unpack a little. We're going to unpack one line. It says this, Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Um, And you've heard me say this, right? When when do I say this? Seriously? At, at, At baptism, people. At baptism. I baptize you in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Hold your breath. Kaboom. Right? Come on. And lucky for you, baptisms are coming up. Everyone who has not been baptized should be baptized, and you're going to want to after I tell you about what that means. Okay? Here we go. But what does that mean? In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Okay? It sounds like kind of a prayer and blessing over, right? Um, But the first word, in... It's actually a translation in the name. And it's a translation of a Greek word, ice, E-I-S, and uh, that actually means into, okay? So what it's really saying is baptize Christians into the Father, into the Son, these names of who they are, into the Holy Spirit. So this word, when you truly understand it, it changes it from something that is being done to you to something that you are coming into. Something you're coming into. You're coming into the Father. You're coming into Jesus. You're coming into the Spirit. You're coming into the Trinity, the dynamism, the dynamism, the dynamic relationship of the Trinity, the love that they have with each other, the family that they are for eternity. You're coming into that when you become a Christian. I baptize you into this family. That's pretty epic, right? I mean, that's what's happening. Hold your breath. It's getting ready to go crazy here. Something's epic going to happen. This is a sign and a wonder. This is a sign of what has happened in your heart and the family that you belong to. You died to yourself and you were risen with Christ into his family. Okay, so this is what? Baptized means this. When you're baptized or when you become a believer into God, it means that you come under his authority, right? Because you're coming into his family. And so you're coming under his authority, okay? But it also means something else, which this is amazing. This is what we're going to spend a little time on, is that it means also something of God is imparted to you, okay? That when you become a Christian, something of God comes into you through the Spirit, and it's imparted to you, and you're transformed and changed because you have a new identity, Because you have a new character, because your heart has changed. You've gone from death to life, and you're a part of the Father's family. And so his nature is planted in you, okay? Now, you get that? You with me there? That's pretty epic, isn't it? Like, I'm a Christian now. I'm baptized into, and then boom, it's the name. I'm into his family. Okay, now, here we go. The word name, into his name, all right? So, like, this is straight up. Like, this is three words. Three words that are like rocking my world, and they're going to rock yours right now. Boom. Here we go. So the second, the word here, uh, name, is, um, it means something very different in the Bible, in the Greek. 
to the Jewish people uh, than it does to us. For us, it's a label, isn't it? Like the name of that can, it's late, it was like, that's a tomato, that's a tomato can, that's the kind of can that is. I name that can, it's a tomato can or whatever. But it's the name, okay? And this, we kind of see name as a label. But in the Bible, in the Bible, name means the nature and the being of a person, okay? In the name of the Father, in the name of Jesus, in the character of the Holy Spirit, in the character of Jesus, we are baptized into the nature of who they are. And they impart that nature as we become a part of their family. So we are being baptized into the name and the nature of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Okay, Um, I wrote something on here. Jesus. Yeah, Jesus, in the name of Jesus. How many times we talk about the power of his name? In the name of Jesus, there's power. In the name of Jesus, chains are broken. In the name of Jesus, this happens. We sang today, Jesus' name, there is salvation. What's up with that? That's the nature of who Jesus is. He breaks chains. He brings salvation. He makes things new. He recreates the world. He redeems things. Jesus is the redeemer. Those are all names of who Jesus is. Remember that when you come into, you're baptized into this name, the Father, the Son, and the Spirit, what's happening? We are being baptized into the same realities in the nature of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Like, this is who we are. This is what happens when we become a believer. This is what the kingdom of God looks like whenever people move into it, into the kingdom of light, being adopted by the Father, there's, it's pretty neat. You go and you, you read things in the Old Testament and you kind of skip over them. And there's, this is everywhere. Okay, but there are places where God says to Moses and the Israelites, build a temple or build a tabernacle. And he says, I will put my name there. And we're like, what? You're going to write your name like on the doorpost? Or like, what, do you, what, what does that mean? You're going to put your name there. Well, he's not saying, no, I'm not going to put my name there. He's saying that... He's saying that, he's saying that, I messed up my pages. He's saying that my glory, I'm going to impart something of my actual nature into that tabernacle. I'm going to impart into the tabernacle or whatever this part, the Shekinah glory of who I am. And that is what is going to be there, reside there. I'm going to impart there. You see where this is going, right? And so into us, we are his tabernacle. We are, we are who and where he imparts himself now into us through the power of the Spirit as he gives the power of Spirit to us. Okay. And so that's what happens. We baptize into the name. But here's what's cool. So he gives us a new character, a new nature, and a new name. We get a new name. We get a new name. Why? Because remember what name means. Name means character. This is who you really are, right? And so when you become a believer, when you become a believer, your character is changed. Because your character is changed, so does your name. It has to. Because you weren't this person anymore. You're this person. Right? Simon into Peter. Abraham into Abraham. Okay? And there's, again, this happens again and again and again. You see in the natural what is happening in the supernatural. All right? And here, I love Sarah's testimony. And some of you are like, I got no changed name, you know, whatever. And here, that is powerful what she said. No, you do, 
Even though you might not feel like it, and he is calling your name all the time. He is calling you who you really are all the time. He is speaking the truth over you all the time because we struggle. We struggle to come out of the grave, don't we? We struggle to believe we really are who we are because of what the world lies to us about. Folks, this is why it is so important to speak truth over your children, to speak truth over their name. This is who you are. You might have done this, but that's not who you are. This is who you are. And when you say something against somebody, and, and each other too, when you say something, you're such a jack wagon. You, that is like a curse. That is speaking against the nature of who God says them says they are. That person's such a jerk. Boom, you're speaking death where there is life. It's so important as we talk to each other, as we pray for each other, what we think, when we think those things, we ask for forgiveness, we wash them away, we break them off of people. This is, this is reality. And your kids start to believe these things about themselves. And it's so hard to undo those things. And I can tell you that I don't do a lot of things right as a dad. But I've learned this. I've learned this and I've read about this in The Blessing and when my kids are messed up, like all of our kids are messed up, right? And they make mistakes. And we say things like, you're stupid. I can't believe you did that, right? Instead of saying, man, you, you did a stupid thing. It's not who you are, but you did a stupid thing. And the consequences of those things are this, but they're not stupid, okay? And so I'll tell you this. If that's you as a parent who has spoken those things, not knowing the power of those words, whether you're with them or not, and then that supernatural, they hear that, and they go whisper those, those words to your kids, then you need to go repent, tell them you're sorry, and speak truth over them. If you believe this is the gospel, if you believe that the Bible is true, there is a spiritual reality to this that stunts the growth and the ability of our kids to know Jesus Christ and to come into who they really are. This is so powerful. This is so powerful. I can tell you, I've had to do this. I've had to go to my kids and I've had to ask for forgiveness and I've have, I have to ask to apologize and, and then I'll tell them, this is why you're experiencing this. It's because of my sin, my brokenness. And so will you forgive me and will you let me pray for you now? Dude, there is nothing. Your kid will remember that for the rest of your life. And they might be two or they might be 20. But when that happens, you need to move towards them because you're identifying them with a lie. And so it says that we're baptized into the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. It means that you have been adopted into his family. That God is your Father and under his authority, and now you reflect his nature, the new creation and a new name exists for a new person. And God gives that to you and he says, yes and amen. Yes and amen. This is who you really are. You know, Grace, we have an adopted daughter. Whenever she had like something, something, Revakova was her name. When she came into our family, guess what we did? We gave her a new name. She was a part of our family, a new family. There's a CHM person, person with the CHM, like level one, and they said, man, it was amazing. I had this incredible experience. I feel like a different person. He's like, I want to change my name. I want to change my name. Literally, that's what they said to me. Right? Whenever I was uh, in high school, I went to, um, Grace, I just talked about you. All right? See, there you go. And so, uh, 
I know, and think about her name. Why do we name her Grace? Because that's the truth of who she is. That's how God sees her. He gave us that name for her. I, this guy, Robin, came into town, right? This prophet, and I was meeting with him, and he said, he didn't know anything about her family. This is a sidebar. And he said, um, you have a, I hear, Russian princess. Do you have a daughter, a Russian princess? And we're like, yeah, wow. And he says, the name you've given her parallels the mission of your church about grace. And that's incredible, right? Names are powerful. Okay, um, so I was at Young Life Camp whenever I was, I wasn't a Christian. I went there to hear Jesus. About, I didn't go there. I went there for girls. And, um, <laughs> I, but I knew they were going to talk about Jesus, right? But that was like, whatever, I'll do that to get this, right? And so um, my, real quick, my um, Young Life leader found my fake ID, uh, which was my ID that I changed. And um, I said I was 22 when I was 15. I was a little 15-year-old, right? <laughs> so I was 20, 22. And um, it worked. It worked back in the day. Anyway, and so he saw my name, John Antley Fowler, okay? So I, my, the name that I had always gone uh, my whole life was John, okay? And so he's like Antley, and he started making fun of it because it's a funny name, whatever. And I hit him. No, I didn't. Um, and so uh, during the camp, there was like this game, Gorilla Man Gun or something. It's like rock, paper, scissors. And you're like, you have to act one of them out. Like, gorilla kills man, gun kills, I don't know, gorilla or something like that. You have to act it out. Well, anyway, I got to, like, quarterfinals, semifinals, and then I was in the final. And my young life leader starts chanting, Aunt Lee, Aunt Lee. And I'm like, oh, hell, oh, heck, what are we going to do here? And so the guy asked me, he's like, what's Aunt Lee? And I'm like, that's my middle name. And so then... Everyone starts chanting, Ali, Ali, right? And so I won. The poor girl, I mean, just kind of gave up. She didn't do, she didn't do any. She's like, rock. We're like, no, we're playing Gorilla Gun Man. She, rock. And I crushed her. And I won. Place went nuts, right? And so on this trip, guess what happens? John becomes a Christian. John becomes a Christian. And I stand up at this thing called Say So at the end of the camp. And we're supposed to say our name, where we're from, and what happened. And I stood up, and I said, my name's John Fowler. And I said, Antley. Actually, Antley. That's how everyone knew me, Antley. And I received Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior this week. And from that point on, everyone has called me Antley. All of my Christian friends that were there, everything that happened in Young Life. I went on to Young Life staff. I was Antley. And then I went to work in churches with student ministry. I was Antley. And then we started River City Church, and I'm Antley. That is my identity. Now, that is just a physical representation. Maybe we don't, a lot of us, we probably don't have that, right? You became a Christian, you're still Paul, or whatever. But there is a supernatural reality that we all have been given a new name. Revelations 2.17 says, He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches, to the one who conquers. I will give him of the hidden manna, I'll give him a white stone with a new name written on the stone that no one knows except the one who receives it. Isaiah 56, 5. I will give in my house, and this is not talking about the nation of Israel, okay? I went and looked this up, and I looked. He's talking about individuals, okay? I will give in my house and within my walls a monument and a name better than sons and daughters. I will give them an everlasting name that shall not be cut off. Now, there's a lot of interesting thoughts about these verses. One is that the name on the rock will be Jesus Christ. 
Okay? And it means that only, no one will know it, only God and you know that if you're truly a believer. Okay? And then one of the other things, though, it says that, that, that you'll get a new name when you become a believer that reflects your new character uniquely. I, I think this one, I like this one better if it's my talk. Okay? But I read a lot about it, and I think that it's the truth. And they both could be true. But I believe we all do get a new name because we have a new character. I have a good friend. I've talked about John Moorhead. He's passed away, and he went on this, this thing, uh, this men's retreat, and they sent them these men out into the, the woods or the wilderness or something up in Colorado, and they said, ask the father what your name is. And the father told him, and up to the point of the day that he died, he said, I can't tell you. It's too intimate. It's too intimate. It's how the Father sees me. It's who I really am. And I think that's true for each and every one of us because we have a new character and that God has wired us and made us very unique and very different because when we live out of that character and the truth of who we really are, he is blessed. And that each one of us, because we have a different name, blesses the Father in a way that is different and that is unique. That is unique. We are, not all, we are not seen by God as all Christian. We are seen by the Father as, yes, you're a Christian, but you, were, you might be a mighty warrior. You might be a compassionate, compassionate servant, or you might be whatever it is. So one thing you better start. I would encourage you to ask the Father, what's your name? You'll know in heaven, but you can know now. You can know now. And I would encourage, I've asked him what my name is, and he's told me, and the way that it happened was very emotional and, and very ugly, snot crying in the middle of a prayer session. And, uh, but it was amazing. And I don't share that with a lot of people because it's so intimate and so powerful. I've shared it with a few because they continue to speak it over me because I struggle to believe it. Okay? And so, and so, because we've been given this character of God, we have this nature of God within us, right? Then we are dynamic like him. We, don't, we are not static. We are, there's, a, there's a sentness about us in the mission like we said, okay? That there is, because we have his nature in us, there are things about our nature now that are consistent with him, okay? But there are things that are consistent with him that we have consistent with each other. And those things are commanded by Jesus. Go and do this. Go and into the nations, baptizing people into the Father, into the Son, and the Spirit. And so this is who we are. We have this uniqueness about us, but there is this general like, yes, and Jesus commands us together to go and do this. Because not only is our nature in him, but we are in each other. We have a similar common nature as God's children and family. And so we as a church have a mission. Church, go and send you. And so guess what happens when you say, my church is such a boom, and it's negative. You curse our church. You speak lies over our church. Our church used to be like this, but now it's just like whatever. That is a lie, and that is what, if you speak that over our church, you need to repent. Because it prevents us from becoming who God has created us to be. And when I say repent, it's just not like guilt, shame, repent. I'm like, just go before the Lord and say, I've, I've received this new truth. I have a new understanding. There's light. There's life there. You know, I didn't know. Will you forgive me? And boom, it happens. It's done. And we... Hello? Was that Jesus? <laughs> Is he here? Yes, he's here. Come on. Okay. 
Okay. And so, like, how, what, what in the world? Like, how do, how do we do this or whatever? Well, we draw, we draw close to Jesus. We draw close to the one who knows our nature. We draw close to the one who knows our nature, who we really are. Why? Because he speaks that over us. He speaks that truth over us. Maybe not fully in your name, but he speaks that truth over us and over us and over us again and again and again. You're my child. You're part of my family. I've gifted you this way. Yes, that's who I am. That's who I am. That's who I am. And so we go. We go because of our love for the Father and our love for Jesus and that he reminds us we're part of his family and that we don't have anything to be afraid of. Dang, There's a great bit right here. I'm just going to nail real quick. Jesus, and this is how, this is what motivates, this is is how we're going to be able to keep going, is that whenever Jesus comes on the scene after he's resurrected, he says something consistently again and again and again. He says, peace be with you. He says, peace be with you. Okay? Peace be with you in this context means shalom. Okay? And most commentators believe this is what Jesus is really saying. Shalom be with you, okay? Shalom, the future well-being of the world is now because I have been raised from the dead. Peace is yours. This peace be with you is that peace, you should have peace now because I I have redeemed the world and there is a future for you that you can count on, that you don't have to fear what happens here. And if you keep your eyes focused on this future, you'll be able to go into risk. And to do what God's calling us to do. And so what Jesus is doing is he's giving us hope. We've been talking about hope tonight or today. He's giving us hope. Even though you don't see this in the verse, Jesus is saying there's hope in this future. And when your focus is on that hope, on the future, not the here and now, this is where I'm going. This is what's worth. Then we will act and we will live a certain way. Does that make sense? Let me give you an illustration just real quick. There's two people. They go to work in this, like, horrific work environment, okay? There used to be a, a, a dog that lived in this room, and it went to the bathroom everywhere. They've cleaned it up, but it still didn't smell good. There's, like, fluorescent right, lights, no windows. It's not, there's, like, it's just not fun. Light flickers a little bit off and on, and all they do is type the alphabet, A, B, C, D, E, again and again and again and again. That's all they do, right? And they have to do it for one year, and they said, at the end of this year... They go to one of the people and they say, at the end of this year, we're going to pay you $15,000. And they're like, okay. And then to the other person, they go, and they go, at the end of this year, we're going to pay you $15 million. Okay? So, like, what's going to happen to the one person who gets $15,000? A, B, C, D, A, B. Heck, I'm quitting after a week. $15,000, that's not worth nothing. What about the person who has $15 million? Woohoo! They're singing, whistle while you work. Right? Right? They got the jig going on. Why? Because they see a future. They see something awesome. They're like, I can do anything if I can get $15 million at the end of the year. Well, Jesus is saying the same is true for us. We have a future. We have something waiting for us. It's far greater than $15 million. It can't be measured. It can't be imagined. It's amazing. And so we look to that future. What does it allow us to do? Whistle by right? We, we like have this jazz plan going when we might be suffering, when we might be afraid, we might risk. All of these things, we see our future, we see Jesus, we're drawing close to him, and he's like, I'm coming back, baby, I'm preparing a place for you, 
and you're not going to be able to imagine what it's going to be like. The life that you're living here is a short time. It's a vapor. And so when you look at what's coming, like you're going to be able to do things you would never be able to do. And you're not going to quit. You're not going to quit when you fix your eyes on this future and when you draw close to Jesus. And so, do you believe that you've been given... Come on. Do you believe? Yes. Do you believe that soot tastes as good as candy? Yes. Yes. Okay, no. Do you believe that you've been given a new name and have been given a new nature and that God has imparted his nature into you? A nature that is like God's, that is dynamic, that is creative, that has a steadfast love, that is powerful, that perseveres, that moves out into the darkness to bring the light, trusting that what the future has for us is promised by the death and the resurrection of Jesus, and we can have a peace in that. And so we come to Jesus and we say, okay, I fully surrender. I come under your authority fully Anything, ask me anything, and I will do it because I know what my future is. I know that, I'm your in, that I am in your family and that I belong to you. And in doing that, we go, and we go, and we go, and we go, even though our life might be messy, painful, and hard. And we say, Jesus, what a blessing, what a privilege it is that you have sent me into the world to baptize and bring people into your family, into you, Father, into you, Jesus, into you, Holy Spirit, so that they would become who only you can make them. Only you can impart something into them that will change them forever. Let's stand.